Welcome to the DSEF. The Direct Selling Executives Forum was created to be a place where real direct selling executives and vendors in the space can come out and share solutions to challenges that face us all in the marketplace. Our guest today is going to be unpacking a topic and sharing their raw thoughts for you to learn from. All right, let's go meet our guest. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next episode of the Direct Selling Executive Forum's Open Forum. Uh, today, we're going to be unpacking the topic in on frameworks for global expansion. Now, many of you, whether you're in physical or digital products, have aspirations to grow your brands all around the world. And with this topic, we're going to have a really fun episode ahead. If you're brand new to the DSEF, I invite you to go to the directsellingexecutiveforum.com or go to on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum to join the forum. This is an invite-only community. It's free. Uh, you get invitations from other executives to be a part of the forum um, where you can listen on panel discussions, just like this one that we're about to have in a moment of real executives running real companies, uh, sharing their thoughts on ways to win, uh, challenges to overcome, frameworks that you can use and apply to your own direct selling and referral marketing business. Uh, for today's Frameworks for Global Expansion episode, I invited Jonathan, we call him Jono Lester, uh, to join us today. Before I bring Jono out on the call, as a little bit of a background, Jono brings more than 20 years of global corporate executive experience from the team at Cerule. Right? He graduated from law school as a native of Johannesburg. So yes, it's not Elon Musk, but Jono right, has that accent. That's right, gang. All right. He's worked with Fortune 100 companies, large multinational companies, finance, HR, operations. When Jono's not at work, he's into motorsport, golf, fine wine, and gastronomy. So, man, this could be an amazing time for us together today. He has a law degree from the University of Johannesburg and an MBA from Bond University in Australia. Had the opportunity to get to know Jono over the last few years with his work through Cerule. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this time together today. Jono, thank you so much for joining us here on the call. How are you today? It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing just great. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Well, and thank you so much for taking a break from your planning meetings. I know this week was a big deal for the teams at Cerule, and I'm just pumped that you took a few minutes to step out um, as we get the next season filmed here for the DSEF and, and just for all the folks that are in the group. You know, what, as, we, as we prep for today, we realized that you're in 72 countries. Uh, worldwide. And with that, you have created a framework for international expansion. And we're all about frameworks here in the DSEF. Uh, for the executives who are listening on the line that want to open their first new country, right, what would you invite them? Where would you invite them to start in their process? You know, I think, Ben, having done this for oh, more than a decade, I think one of the most important things is to really remove emotion from this process. I know the prospect of international expansion is super exciting to most of us, and, and we can let that excitement and that passion run away with us. And so I think if one can remove the emotion for, for a moment, you can really apply your mind to the, the rigor and the discipline that is needed to have a successful international launch, not once, not twice, but many, many times. Many, many pitfalls um, that you can fall into. And so I think... If you can be really structured, really strategic, and really patient, you can work on eliminating some of the risk and ensuring that, you know, you have a better than average chance at being successful. So I think 
I think to to someone who's considering opening their first international business, I think the first most important thing that you have to understand yourself and be able to really elucidate to your team that you're going to be leading is why are we doing this? What is the why? What is our actual reason for an international expansion? Because that drives what is our appetite for risk? What does success look like? What does failure look like? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to manage? Um, and so when we understand why we're going to do it, then I think you apply a really structured process to deciding not only why, but where the country selection is really, really important. And when we have identified what the country is, you know, then we need to focus on all the stuff that you need to know before you go. Right. So, um, running a business in different countries is a, a really different prospect. Um, there are a different regulatory frameworks, different logistics systems, different payment methods, different business cultures, everything about it is different. And so you want to know as much as you can before you go. Because in almost all of these international expansions, there is somewhere out there a risk that will kill you. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you do nothing else, you want to eliminate that single risk that's going to kill you. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, that would that would be my advice is take it slow. It's You've got more time than you think. Um, and just be methodical and be rational and uh, don't let the excitement get you ahead of yourself. You know, there's a couple, I like giving book recommendations um, on the panel and there's a a great book by Bent Fleibjerg from uh, Denmark. It is How Big Things Get Done. And he unpacks the idea of this, think slow, act fast is so much better than think, think fast, act slow. And so many times when people do big projects like this, they they just say, okay, we're going to Germany or, okay, we're going to open Hungary, you know, and they just, we're going to do that. And then they just boots on the ground, let's go. And they and they act very salty out there instead of the putting in the proper time for the real plan up front. And it's so much cheaper in the planning yeah. stage to swap ideas and trade them around. And what will that feel like? And research today with tools and AI and everything that's available today. It's so much cheaper to just model it where you didn't even spend a penny on implementation before you jump in. And and yeah. you, I love that you shared uh, Start With Why. You know, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, has been an absolutely powerful tool. And so if two books for just hearing what John was saying, gang, how big things get done uh, by Bent and uh, Start With Why by Sinek is just a absolutely fantastic, great tool for you to listen to if you're in that position of opening your first country and thinking through it, defining the why. I also like that Jono said we need to define success. That's critical. I've seen, I had a, a client who said, we're going to do 10 countries in 10 years, 10 countries in 10 years. And for their culture, that was too much. It messed them up. And they had certain markets they had to turn off. And, and what, I, what I remember is that if you don't define success, gang, you can you know, spend three, 400% uh, what you plan to in a space or yeah. not even know what to say yes or what to say no to without a guide role. So yeah. that defining success, that defining failure, awesome framework gang uh, to be thinking about. You know, John, we're often told that success is a poor teacher, right? What are some of the greatest challenges uh, you had to overcome as you expanded this business globally? I'm yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have learned from the best teachers that have been a failure. We've done a whole bunch of that. And uh, <laughs> you know, this gray hair doesn't come from nowhere. Two really different types of failure, right? There's, there's failure as a, as a result of stuff that you can't control can't easily control. And we, we've had a couple of those. And, and these are the ones that 
you know, you hope they don't come along. And if they do, you, you really then get into firefighting mode. I remember clearly we opened years ago, a, a business in Russia business was doing great overnight. The Russian ruble tanked had lost 70% oh or something. Of value. I remember that. And I remember business that immediately in a world of hurt. Oh. I mean, it's just unmanageable. We were on the brink of opening a business in, in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. We had staff, we had officers, we had inventory, and uh, you know, a civil war broke out that canceled those plans. We then pivoted to opening right next door in Ghana. That business actually did really well until the government decided overnight that they were going to increase the uh, import duty on the product by 300%, immediately rendering our products un unsellable. So you know, in those situations, these are really risks we can't mitigate, but there's a whole lot of learning that, that goes on. You know, I, frankly, I would have preferred to have learned some other way uh, at times, but you know, those lessons, <laughs> Got are, other are, plans. Are <laughs> you know, those, those lessons I'll, I'll take the lesson and, and move on. But the other risks that actually we, we can control and we should have known better. Those are the ones I think the most learning has happened. You know, when you when you start to expand internationally, there are complexities that you don't initially foresee uh, in running a business overseas. And some of those are complexities in running a different type of team with a different culture, different languages, different styles. And and those challenges you don't often think about, they can be quite difficult to to overcome and to learn. So again, you know, I would I would go into those sort of situations with my eyes open. Again, some of what we consider normal structure and process and procedures here in the US just don't work elsewhere. Uh, and so I've learned that lesson uh, a hard way over many years, particularly in the, in the logistics and the uh, payment space. Uh, the payment space is, is incredibly complicated in some markets. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've learned some painful lessons um, on, on money in and money out uh, on the payment side of the business as we've expanded globally. So, yeah. One of those areas, I just think that's so so good of what you're sharing is like pay, payments is just an example. And there's certain areas where it, you don't want to be the first one. <laughs> you know, payments is such a good example. Sometimes people in the direct selling space, you know, they pitch this great new payment solution or this great new payout solution. And it's like, how about the one that's already paying hundreds of thousands of people? Or how about the one that's already processing millions of transactions? Well, we'll start with that one. And you're great. Spot on. I can't remember how many times I've told a, a company in a pitch, I'm not a guinea pig. I'm, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be a, a, a fast follower, but you know, yes. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not your guinea pig, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there's so much to be said about that. You know, I, mm -hmm. I know when I'm putting together even platforms for clients in my work, like we've been serving people for 23 years. And so it's like, we want to follow what works, you know, in this space. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, oh, we want to try that new idea. Perfect. Let's make that an option, you know? And, yeah. and I find that all the time. So that's such a good thought of those, the, that framework is, is hiring someone who knows that market, who lives there. I have seen yeah. so many clients uh, going to Europe and think, yeah. you know what? Europe's like America. Nope. They'll be the same way we are. And, yeah. and they're not, you yeah. know, they're not, you know, you're third, only 39% of Europeans even use credit cards to make purchases. Yeah. Jano, I mean, I go to Germany with my clients and I know you've seen this, Jano, right? But for some of the executives who haven't been to Europe much, you know, the client whips out a big old wad of cash for dinner and, you know, yeah. you know it's dinner, you know, we never do that yeah. in America. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's everything. And, uh, you know, our direct selling clients, many times we run into 
payment options that are relevant to that local area. You know, are you using Paystack in Africa? Are you using, you know, uh, support payments and Giro Pay in Europe and all of the local ones you need with Posty Pay and everything else that you're going to need to do Europe properly because of what they actually use and Africa properly of what they use. And are you relevant to even a consumer experience? You know, so many times we can go in thinking, oh yeah, it's a global world. Oh, it's modern. It's just the way we do it. And they have modernized in a totally different way. So love, love that thought, John, of just. And even, you know, even over and above the, the systems yeah. and processes issues, then some of the soft, soft issues like culture, right? Um, so I'm not American, as you probably heard. Um, I'm now Canadian, but born in, in South Africa. So I've lived on the other side of that. And with love and respect to all my best friends uh, who are American, yeah, the rest of the world is not America. And the you know American <laughs> business folk tend to have a very distinctive management style and technique that doesn't always translate. And yeah. and I'm sure you know South Africans do and Canadians do. All I'm saying is we have to be sensitive to the fact that people are different. Teams need to be yeah. led in a different fashion. Um, and and as as leaders, we just need to be sensitive and aware of that um, and take some guidance. You know, hiring really great, competent local people is uh, is an is an awesome piece of advice. Yeah, this is one of the most important pieces you'll invest in. To Jamal's point, like Absolutely. having having people who live there do it and have done it is critical. Some of you um, aren't in the place where you're hiring actual executives in different markets, but you're working with consultants in the space. Well, are you going to work with an American consultant in that country or a consultant from that country? Hey, you got to make that decision because that's yeah. it's a really critical part as you expand globally. Yeah. You know, yeah. another question we, we always like to ask on the panel, and I, I love this for this topic because you, you've shared some stories that I think are all crazy. I, I literally remember the day the Russian ruble fell like that. <laughs> I was in Salt Lake City uh, at global headquarters for a billion-dollar direct selling company, and I was there doing meetings as we were building some new sales funnels for an American campaign and one in South America. <laughs> And, and it all happened that morning and a third of that company's revenue was impacted and yeah. it was horrible. Um, they, they, yeah. it was, it was horrible. That week was just the saddest uh, week ever for that specific brand. And I, and it was, it was just something, something totally crazy. Even as we record this podcast with the war in Ukraine, we were yeah. doing a large project with the largest Russian direct selling company in the world. Uh, with their when they with Open America, and we put in months of prep work, and the moment right. Putin invaded Ukraine, whole project canceled. You know, right. just just done. You got to realize, gang, that there are those black swan moments that can come crashing through the window that destroy a project, and you just keep going. But and those are the ones you don't control. But if you're able to execute faster. And if you plan properly and are able to execute and get into a market faster because you took your time when you were planning properly, um, the time between you making the investment and getting to revenue is shorter. And so that's the right. that's the right. one piece of yep. value to hear from what John shared. You know, if he had been in Ivory Coast for two years of actually spending money in investment and then that happened, that was way worse than just planning at home and then only being right. there for a month, you know, and then it happening. So that's one reminder um, as well. So a question from the panel, if you could go back in time, knowing all you know today, what would you do different as you were to expand globally? So if you could, if your today's self could whisper to your 
15 years ago yeah. self. Uh, the younger self. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's two truisms, Ben. Things are never quite as bad as they seem, and they're never quite as good as they seem. And neither of those is your fault. So, you know, I think with the passage of time and a bit of retrospection, you know, you're able to see the things that seemed end of the world disastrous were, they were a challenge, but you know, nobody died, hopefully. Um, and things, the times when things were awesome, yeah, they were great, but they could have been better. So, you know, I think understanding that my, my advice really would be to take your time and enjoy the process. It's, you, you, it, it's going to be hard. You're going to work a hell of a lot, but take time to appreciate the process. You know, I often reflect on the fact, particularly when I was younger and I spent, you know, more nights in airplanes and hotels than I did at home that, uh, you know, I never really gave myself time to enjoy the process. And you know, I, I, when we were up in Korea, for example, I, I went to Korea seven times in 12 months and, you know, the, the project was a great success. We eventually opened. It was great. And I'd never taken like six hours, half a day off in, you know, to go and I knew, I knew the airport, I knew my hotel, I knew the office and nothing else about the city, about the culture, about the people. And, you know, that's stupid. I, I wouldn't do that at, you know, at my age now, but as, as a younger person, I did. So, yeah, I mean, just take your time and enjoy the process. Mentally and emotionally, that is really good advice, Jono. I, I've shared similar advice in the past with people in my life of saying, I, I, I frame it a little differently. I say the lie of the devil is that it will always be this way. That's the way I like to say that. So when it's really right. good, we the lie is thinking, oh, it'll always be really good. So I'm just going to overextend or whatever that is myself. And then when it's really bad, it's, oh, despair. Oh, it's never going to be better. And the, the lie is that yeah. it's always going to be this way. Everything right. you do, success ebbs and flows, gang. It, it does. And when you remember that each thing is a season, each thing is, is not unique to you. It's just one of those. And other people have gone before you and faced one of those. Um, ahead of you and they made it out alive on the other side, you can have some solace in just breathing and sure. understanding that, sure. okay, didn't know this was going to be part of the journey, but I, I guess it is. And so how are we going to get through it? You can move back to solutions and out of despair or uh, gluttony on the uh, times that are so good on the other side. Yeah. General, it was such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking a moment out of your strategy time to unpack global expansion for others. It, it's it's a reminder we have to hear often that, hey, every market is very, very different. And walking through some of those thoughts about thinking about what a local person expects and what a local experience should look like, feel like planning properly before you execute. These are some powerful thoughts for the folks who are listening here today. I want to thank you so much for coming out here and taking some time to be on the panel. It, thanks. It's always awesome to chat with you, Ben. And, and thanks for all you do for the industry. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to meeting again. You got it. For those of you that are brand new, once again, if you enjoyed the content today and you want to hear the previous episodes here in the season, or you'd like access to future episodes in the season, be sure to subscribe on whichever channel you're listening on, whether you're on Spotify, YouTube, Anchor FM. If you haven't yet joined the DSEF, we invite you to go to the Direct Selling Executives Forum and apply. If you'd like to speak on a session, let us know in the forum. Okay. That's where a lot of these speakers and topics come from. And we're always looking for more executives that have value to share here with the group. Appreciate you. Have an amazing day, everybody. We'll talk with you soon. Bye for now. If you haven't yet joined the DSEF group on LinkedIn, go to directsellingexecutiveforum.com or go on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum to apply. The group is free and is an invite-only community of direct selling executives by direct selling executives. <music>